1992, two Marines, Harold Dawson and Landon Downey, were put on trial for the death of their peer, William Santiago. Now, as the trial was coming to an end, Dawson and Downey's defense team knew that their only hope was to get a confession from their superior colonel. So as their lawyer, Lieutenant Dan Caffey, began to interrogate the witness, the courtroom got tense. It was obvious that Caffey was was going to try and badger the witness into into a confession. And, And the colonel was obviously getting frustrated on the stand. When finally, Caffey asked, did you order the code red? And the judge interrupts and says, you don't have to answer that. Caffey again says, did you order the code red? And Colonel Jessup finally responds, you want answers? Caffey responds, I think I'm entitled to. Again, Jessup asks, you want answers? And Caffey responds, I want the truth. And with face blood red, Colonel Jessup looks at Caffey and says, Yeah, you can't handle the truth. Anyone's like, oh my gosh, what just happened? Uh, That that, that didn't really happen. Uh, That's a scene from a movie, A Few Good Men. Uh, Today is part two of a series called The Way, The Truth, and The Life. And last week, uh, Pastor Katie, our family ministries pastor, did an amazing job. Did an amazing job talking about the way. And, uh, and that was not an easy topic, but she did an amazing job, so, so really, really good. And so today, I'm continuing that series, and we're talking about the truth. And once I knew that I was preaching on the truth, I knew I had to fit a few good men in there somewhere, <laughs> so we can check that off and move on. Okay, uh, the title for this series and the content for this series uh, comes from John chapter 14, uh, a day when Jesus made a defining statement about who he is. Uh, I don't have time to, to, to um, lay out the whole background of the story. I would encourage you, if you weren't here last week, to find the message on the podcast or the app because Pastor Katie did an amazing job uh, getting us started. But, uh, but the quick version of the story is that Jesus' life was coming to an end. And so he has his disciples gathered around him, and he is giving them his going away speech. He's about to leave, and even though he has explained to the disciples that he's going to be killed and he's going to be resurrected and he's going to go back to God, he has explained this several times, the disciples don't get it. They just are not following it. And so Jesus says to them, let's read it together in John chapter 14. We'll just start at verse 1. This is what Jesus said to these disciples who were confused about what Jesus meant about going and and all this stuff. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust or or believe in God or trust or believe also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And when everything's ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And then Jesus says, and you know the way where I am going. And I love Thomas. He speaks up and he's like, no, Jesus, we don't know where you're going We have no idea where you're going. You keep saying, you know where we're going. Jesus, we don't know. We don't know. And so then Jesus responded to Thomas and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. This declaration by Jesus separates him from 
all other religious leaders that have ever lived because he wasn't just saying that he was pointing us to a, a way to find God or a way to enjoy the afterlife or a way to have peace. Jesus declared, I am the way. If you want to get to God and if you want to get to heaven and if you want eternal life, Jesus said, you have to go through, you got to go through me. There's only one way, me. I'm, I'm the way, I'm the truth and the life. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome. There's no extra stipulations or rules or requirements. There's only one requirement. You have to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Now, here's what's crazy about this. I've, sp- I've been thinking about this for several weeks now, knowing that we were going to be teaching this series. Here's what's crazy about this, is that Jesus makes knowing God, getting to heaven, and having eternal life as simple as you can make it. The, the irony of what we're talking about these three weeks is that Jesus could not have made it more simple to know God, get to heaven, and to have eternal, eternal life. That is good news. Jesus is the way. We don't have to search anymore. Jesus is the way. We don't have to get a doctorate in theology. Nope, Jesus is the way. We don't have to live a life of, of nothing but good behavior. Nope. We just have to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And I'm not saying it's easy, but it is simple. He, he made it simple. And so that's good news, but we don't feel like that's good news. When we hear that there is only one way to God and that it is Jesus, what we should say if we weren't so, and I mean all of us, not you, I mean all of us so confused and sinful, what we should say is, that's amazing. There's only one way. I don't have to search anymore. I don't, I, there's only one way, but we don't feel that way. We want options. We don't want a way. We, want, uh, we, want, we don't want the way. We want a way. And the reason that we struggle with this, instead of being joyful about it, the reason we struggle with it is because if there is only <coughs> one way, excuse me, if there's only one way to God, then that means we don't get to make up other ways. We don't, we don't get to uh, make up other ways that include other people or create ways at funerals for people that we love or, or we don't get to grade on a curve. Jesus made it simple. Good news, everybody. You don't have to search anymore. I am the way. And we say, okay, I like that option, but could I get some other ways too? And Jesus says, no, I'm the way. I'm the way. So today, we're going to look at this next statement in the sentence. First, Jesus said, I'm the way. Then he said, I am the the truth. And Jesus wasn't making three separate statements like, way, truth, and life, even though that's how we read it. What he was literally saying was, he, the, I am the way was the main statement, but he added truth and life because what he was literally saying was, I am the true way. It would be the literal way um, to read that. Jesus was saying that any other claims or any other, uh, you know, options that claim to be the way, any other ways that we talk ourselves into besides Jesus is a lie. Because Jesus is the true way. But what I want to do today is try to explain why we, and I mean we, I mean all of us, struggle so much with this idea that Jesus is the truth. That Jesus is the standard of truth. And and, and what I hope to do is to explain that 
that, how that anything that contradicts Jesus is not true. It's not true. Now, we're going to spend some time in John chapter 8, if you have a Bible or a phone, or if not, it'll be up on the screen for you. We're going to be in John chapter 8. We're going to read several verses together, but, um, but while you're finding that, I want to tell you something that I read recently. It was just really fascinating uh, that, that was on the, the Huffington Post, but has anybody ever been to the circus? Let me see your hand. Anybody ever been to the circus? Yeah, okay. Um, well, if you have, you have been to the circus, you, you've seen the elephants, okay? You've seen the elephants. These things are huge, these elephants. Uh, 13 feet tall, usually on average. 5,000 pounds, six, 7,000 pounds on average. But what's interesting, if you've been to the circus, you know that these 13 feet tall, 5,000 pound animals are led around by a really small man wearing a funny costume with a little stick, with a, with a chain around their leg into a wood post in the ground. Now, if you were 13 feet tall and 5,000 pounds, you could just rip the, the wood peg out of the ground and then take your trunk and just smack the weird man in the costume to the side and do whatever you wanted to do because you're 13 feet tall and 5,000 pounds. But that's not what the elephants do. They do whatever the man with the little stick says to do. And they keep walking in circles with this chain around their leg to, into this wood peg. And so if you've ever been there and seen that, I don't know if you've ever wondered this or thought about this, but why would these elephants who are so much more powerful than these men who are controlling them or telling them what to do or the, the, the chain or the wood peg, why would they not be in charge? Why would they not be, be free, right? So this, this article that I read talked about how they train elephants for the circus. It's really, really fascinating. So um, these, what they do is they take baby elephants, 100 pounds, baby elephants, and they attach a chain to their leg, and they put that chain, attach it to a steel uh, post that they put deep down into the ground. And so at an early age, the elephant gets the idea that he wants to be free, and so he tries to pull away, but when he pulls away, he realizes he can't get away. And the more that he pulls, the more that that chain grips into his leg and begins to hurt him and to cut him. And so at a young age, he learns that it is, it is useless to try to pull yourself free because you can't get away when he's 100 pounds, when he's 300 pounds. But that truth that he learns as a child is so painful and impactful that when he's 5,000 pounds, he never tries to free himself or pull up the wood peg that is in the ground because he spent his whole life believing something that's not true. When he was a child, he, he learned something that is not true anymore, but he doesn't know it's not true. And so the reason he's not free is because he believes something that's not true. Does that make sense to everybody? So Jesus today in John chapter 8, just to set that up, is going to tell us that we can be free. We can be free. But in order to be free, we have to know the truth. That truth and freedom go hand in hand. You have to know truth in order to be free. That's what Jesus is going to say today. John chapter 8 we're going to start with verse 31, verse 31. 
Let's read it together. If I can find it. Here we go. John 8, 31. This is what it says. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. Now let's stop for just a second because I think it's important that you know who Jesus is talking to, okay? He was not talking to people who were claiming to be atheists. He was not talking to people who were, were claiming to be agnostics, who proudly rejected truth. He was talking to people who thought that they were believing the truth. If it was in this day and age, Jesus is talking to really good church-going people. Really good church-going people is who he's talking to. <clears throat> what he's about to say to these good church-going people is, you don't really believe the truth. You believe something that you came up with, and there are little pieces of the truth in there, but you don't really believe the truth. And that's a sobering start for us this morning as we go through these verses, because is it possible today for us, those of us in the room, that we could be fully immersed in, in um, a church world or religious world or good behavior, but we don't actually believe the truth. We believe a version of the truth that we somehow piece together. Now, now, is it possible that we could be believing versions of the truth, but not the truth? Even, th even though, listen, even though we're fully, e even though we come to church and sing songs that give us goosebumps and make us cry, even though we uh, have good friends, could we, not, could we believe versions of the truth, but not, but not the truth? All right? Now, that's a hypothetical question because the answer is yes for all of us. We're all susceptible to being confidently wrong. Anybody in the room got a friend who's wrong a lot, but he's confident wrong? Come on, let me see your hand. Yeah, that, that's pretty much me, actually. I, I am, like, I, can, I am so confidently wrong that I'm convincing, uh, but I'm wrong, right? And it's, it's very possible for all of us, especially when it comes to, to spiritual things, to be confidently, confidently wrong. And that's who Jesus is talking to. So let's keep reading. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Everybody say free. free. So talking to people who think they're disciples, Jesus says, let me tell you what a true disciple looks like. They are people who obey my truths. And then he explains how the process works, okay? Here, here's the process. People who faithfully obey the truth I've given them will know more truth. And the more truth they know, the more free they will be. Does that make sense? And so we say, we kind of go back and we say, well, if I knew it was true, I would obey it. So Jason, you're talking about truth and I get that. But if I could be more certain, if I knew it was true, then I would obey it. But Jesus says, no, as you obey it, you will know that it is, that, it, that it's true. You'll find out how true it is. So you become a Christian or someone who follows Jesus and through the Bible and teaching and conversations with mentors and friends, you learn truth. And as you begin to live out that truth, you realize that it is truth. 
And the more truth you obey, the more truth you receive. All Jesus asks you to do right now is to obey the truth that you know. Obey the truth that you have. And as you obey that truth, you're going to receive more truth. Let's keep going. We're getting somewhere here. Everybody still with me? I'm going to try to make it to the end. Here we go. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? So now here's the confidently wrong people coming back at Jesus. And we're not going to stop after every verse, but I want to make sure you know what they're saying back because this really sets us up for the point Jesus is going to make, all right? Now, Jesus is talking to Jewish people, so their patriarch is Abraham. And and not these people specifically, but their family line is who the Old Testament is about. Jewish people, it's who the Old Testament is about. If you read the Old Testament much at all, you know that there is pretty much one consistent theme in the Old Testament, And that is that God's people were enslaved. There's a whole book in the Bible about it. It's called Exodus. When after 400 years of slavery, Moses brought the people out. But then after the book of uh, Judges, they were captured by the Babylonians. And they served under the Babylonians. And just to put a little cherry on top, just to give you a little history... The people who are saying this at this time are actually living under the oppression of the Roman government. So they were slaves to the Egyptians. They lived under the Babylonian rule, and now they're under the rule of the Roman government. And they look back at Jesus and they say, we've never been slaves to anybody. Which would be funny if it wasn't so sad. Because it's like the most non-truthful thing that they could say. But here's what's interesting. They believe it's true. They're not making it up. They believe it's true. So in other words, they are saying back to Jesus who says, I am the truth, and, and, and if you receive the truth, you can be free. They say back to Jesus, people whose whole family history has been enslavement, and they are now in it, they say back to Jesus, we're good. We don't need to be free. We're free. I'm free. I'm good. I don't have a problem. Everything's great. I'm fine. I'm good. You don't need to bring it up because I'm fine. Right? That's what they're saying back to Jesus. People who for hundreds of years have been bound, they're like, we're not bound. We're great. We're good. Here's why that matters to you and me. Because these are people who have revised history. They've revised history. In their minds, they confidently believe that they have never been enslaved because they revived history to make themselves feel better about their disobedience. So, So in other words, their whole history has been about disobeying God and being enslaved, and they tell Jesus, no, 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 we're good. And it's not true, but they've convinced themselves it's true Because they have to justify in their minds the life that they are living. And we do the same thing. All of us in the room, we do the same thing. I hope you're following with me. And I want to explain how how this works because every person in this room, including myself, we are all in in this. Everyone in this room, you will either change what you do or you will change what you believe. But you will not live your life 
doing something that you believe is not true or is wrong, you will not wake up every day and do that. It's too tormenting. Nobody wants to look in the mirror and say, yeah, I am a complete hypocrite. So all of us, we either change what we do or we change what we believe, right? Can I give you just an example? I want to get just, I'm trying to, I'm just, I'm going to pick one. I could pick a hundred, okay? But let's say that you're here today, sir, and, and you would say, I believe that family is most important. I believe that family is most important. But in order to succeed in the professional world, you've got to put in lots of hours to climb the ladder to get where you want to go. So you would say, I believe that family is most important. But in order to get where you want to go, you have to neglect family, which is what you say is most important. One of two things is going to happen. You are either going to quit your job or you're going to revise what you believe is true. Does that make sense to everybody? You're either going to say, well, during this season, they don't really need me. Or you're going to say, well, no, I am there for my kids. Or you're going to say, well, I work hard so I can buy them the stuff that they need. You're going to revise what you believe is true because of what you're doing. You either change what you do or you change what you believe. Does that make sense? Right? If there is something that you're addicted to in your life or something that you're bound by, all of us in the room, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm talking about all of us. You will either change what you do or you will revise what you believe is true. And you'll say, well, it's not that bad. Or you'll say, oh, my God, no, it's awful. I'm, I'm stopping. But you won't wake up every morning and go, I know and 100% believe that this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. We cannot carry the weight of that guilt and shame in our life. So we either have to revise what we believe is true or change what we're doing, but we will not do both for long periods of time. I, I hope that makes sense to everybody. And that's what these people are saying to Jesus. Jesus is like, should we go through the history of your life? And they're like, no, 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 no. We've never been slaves to anybody. We don't have a problem. We've never, we're fine. We don't need to talk about us. Let's talk about you, right? Jesus is like, Let, no, let's, let's, let's deal with truth. Let's deal with truth. So let's skip down to verse 42. We're going to read one more, one more thing together. Verse 42. Jesus told them, verse 42. If God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God, and I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. And Jesus is about to drop the mic. For you are children of your father, the devil, and you love to do evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Yikes. Okay. Wow. That's a lot. What does all this mean? <laughs> okay. What does all this mean? Jesus puts the human race into two categories. Jesus does. There are people, talking about us, not just these people he's talking to, he's talking about then and now for all of time, Jesus puts the human race into two categories. There are people whose father is God, those who have believed in the way and the truth, those people whose father is God, and everybody else whose father is the devil. And so right after that, when I say that, you're like, the devil ain't my daddy. I mean, I'm... I'm I, I'm, not, I'm not a child of Satan. Like, that's, that sounds like a heavy metal song. Like, I don't, I'm not even, like, nobody in the room be like, child of Satan. Like, we don't, like, to even say that's like, well, that's not my category, right? Jesus is saying, 
follow me here, that if you don't believe in me, the truth, then you are believing the lies of the devil. Those are the only two options. We don't get to make up other categories. Not believing in Jesus, but good people. Uh, agnostic, but moral. Uh, not in a good place, but life's been unfair. We don't get to make up other categories. And this is so contradicting. He said, I'm putting this together this week. I thought, wow, I'm going to get like 17 emails about this. because, at, at, But that's so contradicting to everything that is in our culture about truth. Culture says, like, you have your truth. I'll have my truth. They can have their truth. We can agree to disagree. I know my truth. And you can have your truth. And everybody, just, just have your truth. But don't try to tell me my truth's wrong. I want to try to tell you that your truth is wrong. Everybody believe their truth. And Jesus says, that's not how it works. Jesus is the truth. I'm the way to God, Jesus says, the way to heaven, the way to eternal life. And, and that is the truth. That's what he's saying in John 14. And anything other than that, truth is a lie. And any person that doesn't accept me as the way is believing and living a lie. Now, everybody, look at me. Look at me. I know what you're thinking. I think I even know what you're feeling. Because that's what I was feeling as I was reading through these words and wrestling with what Jesus was saying. Jesus is literally saying to us today, those people who are not believing in me the way and the truth are believing in and living a lie. And maybe that's you or maybe you know someone and you would say, that doesn't sound right sounds like Jesus is being mean. It sounds like Jesus is being very exclusive. It sounds like Jesus is being very unfair. It sounds like he wants to keep people out. I understand that there is this part of us that wants to push back from that. We don't view singular Jesus as good news. If you come into these verses with this kind of cynical mindset that all of us can carry around with us, then we read this and we say, why is Jesus being so pretentious? Why is Jesus being so singular? And, and why does he want to keep people out? And, and I want to read one more verse to you because I understand that there is that feeling in us. It's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It's up on the screen. I would encourage you to write this down, put it in your phone, figure out a way to keep this in front of your face. This is what 2 Peter 3, 9 said. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No. He is being patient for your sake. He, talking about God, does not want anyone. Everybody say anyone. To be destroyed, but wants everyone, everybody say everyone, everyone to repent. So please don't get this idea that Jesus is saying all of this with this evil grin on his face. You're a child of Satan. You know, like, like that's not, he, he, he's not pumped that people are going to hell. It's not what Jesus is saying. He's not happy about it. Not excited that people will spend their whole life believing a lie 
and, and, and be separated from him. For any parent in the room who has watched your child believe things that aren't true and take their life in a direction different from what you had prayed and hoped for, you know the torment that a father feels when a child believes something that's not true. And that's what our heavenly father sees in us and feels about us when we believe things that are not true. And so his desire is not, his attitude and his emotion is not, ha, 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 you're out. Me and my club are in and you're out. No, his emotion is patience. His patience to wait as long as possible to give everyone a chance to believe the truth so that no one will perish. You have to process all of these words through the lens of someone who wants you to believe the truth so much that he's willing to die for you, to give you a chance to believe it. That's totally different than the guy on the street corner who holds up a sign to make you feel awful about yourself. That's not Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to wait as long as I can and give you as many chances as I can for you to believe the truth. And I believe it so much and love you so much that I will come and die in your place so that you don't have to live a lie anymore. Jesus, with the heart of someone willing to die for you, looks you in the eye and says, I am the way. I'm the truth. I I am the life. Please don't believe anything else. So what do we do with all this? Because I know it's heavy. You know, it's heavy. And we have a lot to process, especially those of you back in church for the first time in a long time. Some of your friends have been asking for like six months. You came today and they're like, oh, you're going to love my pastor. He's so funny. It's like, well, he ain't said nothing funny yet. Like, but... And what do we do with it? What do we do with it? Well, if it's, it's heavy, but if it's true, and Jesus said that truth sets us free, then what we just learned is incredibly good news. So what do we do with this good news? Well, I'm, I'm going to ask you two questions to help us apply these verses. And the first question is this. Where in my life am I not free? Where in my life, where in your life are you not free? If the truth sets you free and there are areas of your life where you're not free, then what lies are you believing? Because you got to be believing something that's not true if you're not free. Because truth sets you free. And we wouldn't have enough time to try and list them all, but let me just, let me just throw, throw a couple at you, see what sticks. Maybe unforgiveness has your life locked up because hurt from the past affects every relationship in your life. You can't love someone now because someone did something to you in the past. And maybe the lie that you're believing is, I can't be right until someone else makes it right. Can I tell you the truth? Jesus already made it right. 
Jesus already made it right. No matter what someone did to you, the truth is Jesus died on the cross for their sin that they did to you just like he died for yours. It's already right. What about this one? What about this one? Maybe your life is bound by an addiction to a habit, a substance. Maybe you're here today and you swear you're free. I'm fine, Jason. I'm good. Or maybe you crossed that bridge a long time ago and you're like, you know what? I'm just addicted and that's just how it's going to be. You're trapped. You're hooked. And maybe you have believed the lie that you'll never be free. Or maybe you're believing the lie that you'll never be happy with whatever it is, without whatever it is that has you bound. The truth is that Jesus is the way to freedom. And there is no thing that we can be bound by that is stronger than the power of Jesus and the cross. Let me give you one more. Maybe you're bound by constant guilt and shame because you think Jesus wants more out of you. Got to get more out of them. Live them up to their potential. You, you believe that Jesus is the way, but it can't be that easy. So you, you are aware of every way that you fall short. Everything that you don't do good enough and your life is consumed by trying to, 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 to keep God happy. You believe the lie that Jesus is disappointed in you. The truth is, Jesus died for you because he knew that you could never be good enough. He just wants you to believe he is who he says he is. So question number one, where in your life are you not free? Question number two, where am I fighting Jesus because the truth is a deal breaker? Probably could have come up with a better phrase for that, but that's how I thought of it, all right? Where am I fighting Jesus because the truth is a deal breaker? Maybe we could say it like this. Where am I fighting Jesus because the truth would require me to change? This is so huge. Because I think that most of us in the room... I mean, hundreds of conversations I've had over the years with people where they hear I'm a pastor, they want to talk Jesus truth, credentials, I get all that. I, I believe that for most of us in the room, we believe that like 95% of it's true. The only part that we really struggle to believe is true is the part that would require us to change. So, I mean, I, I've sat with people who have, I'll say, so you don't believe it's true? Do you believe that's true? Yeah, no, that part's true. Do you believe that part's true? Definitely, I believe that's true. Do you believe that part's true? Yeah, yeah, I believe it's true. What about this part? No, 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 that part. What, what is it about this part? Well, that is the part that contradicts with my life. Are you following what I'm saying? And, and so to accept that part as truth would require us to let go of our thing, our soapbox, our lifestyle. We accept most of it's true, but just not the part that contradicts with who I am or what I want to do. So is there an area of your life where you have changed the truth so you won't have to change your life. Let me ask it again. Is there an area of your life where you have changed the truth so that you won't have to change your life? If so, I want you to know today Jesus isn't trying to torture you or make you miserable. Actually, he's trying to give you life and freedom. 
But the truth cannot set you free until you know what lie you're believing. But if you're brave enough today to say, Jesus, I believe that you are the way. I believe that you are the truth and and that you are the life. I believe that you are who you say you are. And I don't want to try and change you. I want you to change me. Jesus says, you'll experience life. You'll experience life. Let's pray.